planning is in the Bible. God is the ultimate strategic planner. And what I love about what I read in the Bible when it comes to uh, strategic planning is the plan started at the very beginning when he made all of this, the universe. He put the stars and the moon and all of this stuff in orbit. And then he had a strategic plan for how he was going to inhabit the earth. Then he had a plan, even had a plan for they're going to mess up. So I got this plan. Okay, I'm telling you to map out a strategy that's going to take us all the way to the second coming of Christ and our heavenly you know, home, that's, that's some strategic planning for you, okay? Yeah, God is omnipotent, he's omniscient, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's all that, but all of that plays into him developing a strategic plan, right? So we can learn it from him. So what we're gonna learn in this session, and this is an hour and 15 minutes and I'm eating up too much time messing around, okay? We're going to talk about on page two the role of uh, all of the areas we're going to cover today is the role of the church of church church culture in change. See, we have to understand that before leadership of the church starts to develop a plan, they need to know what is the culture in the church, and we're going to talk about what that means. Because if the culture does not support the plan, there needs to be a change in the culture. The second bullet says we're going to talk about developing the strategic plan. Then we're going to talk about process improvement and developing a project plan. Now, if we run out of time, the appendices that I gave you will actually get into the element of process improvement because that's tools and techniques. And I'm going to spend a lot of time on the, on the theory. So if we run out of time, those tools and techniques, you got it. Okay, let's start off with what is church culture? Now, in this particular segment where it says objectives, we're going to define culture in the church. What does that mean? We're going to talk about creating a culture of improvement in the church. Because whether we want to believe it or not, every church can be improved. Okay, I, don't, I love what the speaker said earlier. You can have the best pastor. We can love our pastors to death. You know, they can they can be all that we think they are, but even they could stand some improvement. Every process, everybody can be improved. Okay? So we will never reach perfection. We know this already. So why can't we use that same concept to talk about improving the church? We're imperfect. God says we're not going to reach perfection until we come into that glorified state. Okay? And we certainly aren't there in the church yet. So the church is definitely open to improvement. There are three components of building a culture of improvement in the church, and we're going to talk about that. And we're going to also talk about potential areas to improve in the church. So when you start talking about improvements, you start looking at the leadership usually gets together and it can start looking at what areas do we need to improve. So we're going to talk about that. But before we do, I have a little short exercise I want you to do. It says at the bottom, and for those of who you don't have your papers yet, form groups of three and share how you describe your church's culture in terms of the leadership, discipleship, fellowship, vision, and goals. So what do I mean? It means talk about what you think your church's culture is. Put it in the context of what is the culture of our leadership? You know, how do they operate? What's the culture of discipleship? Does it even exist? What's the culture of our fellowship? Do we even engage in fellowship other than sitting in the church together on Sunday morning? those kind of things. So keep those ideas in mind. And I'm going to ask you in groups of three, look, we got two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 20, 20. We've got roughly 30 people in here. Okay. So 
Group in threes. You might want to move closer to him. You showered, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Move closer to him. <laughs> and you three, you three, groups of three, very quickly, five minutes, talk about, describe describe your church's culture, and then when you finish, I'm going to get each one of the groups to speak. All right? And I'm going to try to get you to Focus like the spirituality of all people to be safe. I would basically call us from the church the part of our vision is to educate we follow up with them you know and up under that way point is expect you know we we uh, we definitely we go out we reach them we teach them educate them we equip them we uh, excite them to power the praise the worship uh, we employ them, giving them things to do, and then we expect to follow, follow up to make sure, you know, in that serving, you know, because even in the serving, like we do a food pantry, we serve 200 families a week. And I try to, even with the volunteers, try to get them to develop our culture. They're not part of our ministry, but they come to volunteer. And I think you, if you're going to be representing us, you need to get a little bit of 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 a
I know he put it on the floor. Okay. Keep your
outreach, stuff like that. And I'm really even contemplating getting rid of the titles oh. so that even though I'm the pastor, I'm Brother Sam. Brother Sam. And, I, and my mindset is that would help foster uh, the culture of servanthood, mm -hmm. not the hierarchy. Praise so. God. Praise God. Okay, good one. Let, on this side, let me get a leadership out of the group of three. Tell me the culture of the leadership. Sir, pastor. Oh, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I wanted to hear what they had to say. <laughs> um, well, I, I think that, I guess if I, if I was going to just be really candid, if you will, that because of what, because of who we are in the community, in the city of St. Petersburg, perhaps people may look at us and say, oh, that's a bougie church or something, mm -hmm. which is far from what, how I feel and what I think. Mm -hmm. But, um, but, but I was sharing with Jenny mm -hmm. that, um, what our church is 95 <coughs> years old mm -hmm. and the, we have some strong committed folk, but I think there's a, a, a paradigm shift that's inevitable and primarily, um, we're, we're, we're re I'm really right now focusing on the 20 to 35 year old mm. and to see how that we can integrate mm. the two. But but if if I had it my way, that anybody off the street would be able to come into the church mm -hmm. and feel very very much at home or, or welcome. That's a good statement about culture from a leadership perspective. Thank you. Let's see. Let's go to discipleship. What do you perceive as the culture of discipleship in your church? Let me go down to this group down here. Um, I think that, um, well, first of all, our leader is extremely visionary. Mm. And it's the founder um, of the church that we're in. So he brings this um, perspective that in, in his initial founding of the church, mm -hmm. um, it creates this atmosphere of um, not only restating and living his vision, but that vision is paramount from okay. God. Godly vision is paramount. So in, in so far as disciples, I think that we are in a shift, frankly. And I think part of that is we're, we just celebrated 25 years of ministry with the same pastor. Mm. And then the, uh, the pandemic has shifted our membership mm -hmm. significantly. Mm -hmm. So then mm -hmm. in teaching, and learning and creating and developing and building people to be disciples according to the word of God mm -hmm. is almost like we have to go back to retraining, mm -hmm. redeveloping, altering perspectives, mm -hmm. and really helping to strengthen people to understand what God has called them mm -hmm. to be and how they exercise that on the earth and in the church they're in. And in the so we're at a place now where we're beginning to in our, uh, our Sunday school mm -hmm. classes, for example, all year, mm -hmm. it's going to be based on building disciples. Mm -hmm. So we're back at that mm -hmm. point of trying to re-instill, mm -hmm. um, based on the word of God, what a disciple is. So I think the culture now is a culture of learning mm -hmm. and growing mm -hmm. and developing. Sounds like it. Good, good. Let's get a comment from a group that hasn't spoken on the culture of fellowship in your church. Let's get this group down here. Yes. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, I, I, as I was sharing here, 
I came from a very large church, and when you're in a large church, you really don't get to have the uh, camaraderie with others because it's so large. But I think the culture in our church with regard to fellowship is on point. I think we look out for one another, although we are uh, a little bit large, but we're concerned. And I also like the fact that part of our fellowshipping is with regard to our mental health and, and wellness and just making sure that people are okay. Mm -hmm. We see each other in church on Sunday mm -hmm. and we all look cute, right? You know, we're smiling, but what's behind that smile? Mm -hmm. But we take a moment to say, how are you? And so I like the fact that we really, uh, from what I can tell, have a concern for one another. Mm -hmm. so I think our culture with regard to fellowship is warm, it's embracing, mm. and it's caring. Praise God. Good comments. So, and I appreciate all of you who shared. So you see where we're going with this. You know, when we talk about culture, if you own your handout on page three now at the top, it says culture is defined as a set of shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices that categorize an institutional organization. Now, that's the dictionary. But you can see that in a church, how that could be applied. If we all share the same values, attitudes, goals, and practices, that establishes the culture in the church. The culture should be established by leadership and it should be promulgated, meaning sent out through the congregation in various means so that everybody is on the same page. Imagine having all these competing cultures in a church. And that's sort of what the uh, pastor was alluding to, saying that you bring people in and you don't know what their culture was, where they came from. Okay, and then what I love the term he used, what was that term? Cross-pollinate? Ooh, I gotta keep that one in my pocket. Cross-pollination. You don't, you know, cross-pollination can be good when you're pollinating with something good, okay? But if it's counter to your culture, and your culture is based on your faith and your beliefs, on doctrine, then it's a problem. So leadership really has a responsibility to establish culture and to make sure that everybody understands that culture. And that leadership can't make members align to the culture. But let me tell you one thing about stuff like that. God weeds them, weeds them right on out. God weeds them right on out. You know, they'll, after a while, they'll say, you know what, I ain't vibing with this. Yeah. I'm going to move on. Mm -hmm. So now, every church has Can a culture. Yes, ma'am. Meaning, your, usually, leadership is your pastoral staff. So positional, leadership. positional leadership. However, yeah, that would still be positional. Ministries also have leaders. Okay? Yeah. So it's not just the higher tier of leadership. You know, most organizations, to include the church, they have tiers of leadership. So you have your pastoral staff and and then you have your ministers, and some churches have uh, a diaconate, a deacon's board, or L board of elders, and all of that. Anyone who is in a leadership position, I call leadership. Okay? And I also believe leadership and fellowship comes from the top. That's right. It's the top. What, what was the top going? And it trickles down. And it, it trickles down. That's right. Yeah, I, I want, because. I don't, I'm not sure what your question, where you're going with your question, but at every level of leadership, mm -hmm. if they're not buying into your vision, mm -hmm. your mission, mm -hmm. your core values, and mm -hmm. so forth, then it derails and it creates a culture mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. is toxic. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's critical mm -hmm. to know that, and, and but anyway, 
So sometimes people with the church, well, you got to know everybody is a part of the church. That's right. And what are you bringing to the table? That's right. So it can create what we sometimes in the secular world call a counterculture. Right. Okay, you can have a counterculture in the church, you know, and that's that's a mess. <laughs> All right. I just got to say it plain. That's a mess. Okay. Uh, I asked you that question because all of us do find leadership that's true. And just because you're in a position of leadership mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything. That's right. That's that's so, right. And that helps to create right. what you just mentioned right. these varying cultures, perspectives, mm-hmm. values right. that can divide right. as opposed to unify. So and to your point that's a good point. And to your point, the leadership can be a positional title, but it can also be a role. You don't even have to have a title like this right. pastor here said. He's thinking about taking the titles off. That doesn't mean that those leaders went away. Right. It's inherent in some people to be leaders. Because uh, um, a lot ahead. of people are leaders, people of influence mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that never hold a title. There you go. And whether mm-hmm. we believe it or not, a lot of times they have more influence mm-hmm. throughout the congregation right. than yeah. the pastor, That's what I'm the talking about. board, or mm-hmm. what have you. Mm-hmm. So... We have to make sure that we teach the culture so that even the babies yeah. know the That's culture. That's right. Everybody know the culture. So we don't end up with the subculture. That's right. That's right. Now, one aspect of creating culture is to strive to continually improve the ministry. So there needs to be a culture of improvement. So let's uh, in our church, in Bible-based church, we uh, last fall decided that we needed to revisit our strategic plan. So because they knew that I had that, uh, you know, I had that experience or that talent from previous occupations. They called me in to facilitate them putting together their strategic plan. What you're learning here is the same thing I taught them first. Before we put pen to pad, I said, let's talk about the culture. Let's talk about, you know, what's going on in here and what needs to be happening. So in that, you know, we determined that in order to get people on board to think they we need to improve something. You gotta, you gotta be transparent. You gotta show them where your flaws are, yeah. okay? Because if you get up there acting like everything's always together, yeah. some people will say, "Well, I mean, we don't need to improve nothing," mm-hmm. and you know that's not true, right. okay? So you have to have a a culture of improvement. So what is a cultural improvement? It says churches uh, at, the, at the bottom. It says growing churches work to continually improve ministries. You know what I can do for some of you? I have this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you my laptop. Because they've taken a long time. And this presentation is on the laptop. I, again, I apologize. The screen did not cooperate with us. But like I said, I don't always be trusting technology, so I always bring my own. I just didn't bring enough of it. Okay. Oh, that's different. That's different. Those are appendices. We're going to talk about those later. Okay. So if you want to. Have somebody click, click, click. Well, you know how to move a PowerPoint. <laughs> Excuse me. You know how to move them. Meaning, advance to the uh, next slide. We're on the slide that says, What is the culture of improvement? All right. Growing churches work to continually improve ministries. They strive to make them better all the time. It is never a one and done, meaning you can always get better and better and better. The goal is improvement. Now, there's a difference between improvement, if you turn over to the next page, 
and excellence, a myth of excellence. And let me explain why that's important, okay? Excellence cannot be the goal, and here's why. Because excellence is subjective. What you think is excellent, he may not think is excellent. What she thinks is excellent, she may not think that. So it's subject to people's personal opinions based on their experiences, their intellect, and, and, and culture, okay? So you can't use excellence as a measure. Ministry is subject to varying degrees of people's expectation, and every aspect of ministry can be evaluated differently. People evaluate the worship music differently. Some people like it, some people don't. They talk, they, they sing it too loud, they sing it too long. We don't worship long enough. You get all of that, okay? The cleanliness of the facility, okay? That's another aspect that people evaluate. The quality of the video announcements or the preaching of the word, okay? Why he talks so long? Why she got to be screaming? I don't even, I didn't get nothing out of that. That was barely five minutes. You know, we get all kinds of things, so it's subject. So you can't strive for excellence, but you always strive to improve, okay? Now, there are three components of them. Were y'all able to get it in advance? Okay, great. Uh, some of them are, not that ain't animated because I don't have it on a PowerPoint show. The three components of building a culture of improvement, there are three things. Number one, you set the stage for a culture of uh, church improvement. Number two, you identify the main areas of ministry to focus on. You can't improve them all at the same time. That's called chaos. And number three, develop a plan to improve the overall church ministry and area-specific ministry. So when you start looking at the, uh, improving things in the church, you're looking at overall ministry as well as keying in on key areas. Now, you might want to say, well, how do you know what those key areas are? I'm glad you asked. Let's go over to this next page. All right. You can talk with your staff. I would, I would say this. Leadership, and now I'm talking about the leadership that makes decisions about the direction the church is going to go in, what's going to be the theme for the year, how are we going to operate, that level. Okay? So that level needs to talk to his or her respect, uh, uh, respective staff, talk to the ministry leaders, and the volunteers. Let's not forget that the people who are out there doing stuff on the floor, the ushers, the welcome folks, the, the hospitality, all of that, all of those people need to be involved. So often we make the mistake of thinking only the people at higher levels need to be participating in this thing. No, it needs to be input from everyone. You may garner that input through surveys. That's the easiest way to do it is to conduct a survey and make sure that the survey of uh, you know, speaks to every level in the church. You know, don't talk about all the holy lofty stuff. You can have some of that, but make sure that I call in the secular world the wrench turners know what you're talking about. Okay, the people who got tools in their hands know what you're talking about. So that's one way you you find out, and it starts with you. If you are a leader, you need to model what improvement looks like. So I'm talking to pastors. I'm talking to ministry leaders right now. You can't talk to people about improving if you don't look like you want to improve. Okay? Copies are coming. Here they are. Praise God. Okay. All right. So, again, I want to emphasize that. Don't talk about something and not do something. Show that you are willing to improve. So, let me give this example. You put on a survey if you're bold enough to do it and brave enough to do it, and you should be. 
can ask questions about what your members think about your sermons. Okay? Whatever kind of criteria you want to use. Thank you, Lady White. <laughs> uh, you can ask questions. Don't be afraid of the answers. Don't be afraid of them. Let people feel like they can be honest, even if it's anonymous. You may accommodate that by, you know, making it anonymous because not everybody wants to sign their name to those comments. That's okay. So you want to do that. Now, when you read those comments, pastors, lead people in ministry, lead. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. You pray about it. My mom always taught me this, and I passed it to my children. You take what you apply, what you think is true to making changes. Throw away the rest. Okay, just discard the rest because you can't afford to concentrate on everything somebody's saying. But you prayerfully ask God, Lord, is this me? Is this something that I'm not saying about myself that I need to correct through the power of the Holy Spirit? Because you can't fix it by yourself. <laughs> but don't spend time, waste time on trivialities. You know, don't waste time on it. Some people are going to be mad anyway. They're going to have something to say about everything you do. All right. So you got to start with you. Incorporate times of debriefing with your ministry teams uh, to discuss what, what, what worked well and what didn't. We call it pros and grows here in this church. So after we have this conference, Next week when we have the staff meeting, because I work on the staff as well, the pastor is going to say, okay, what were the pros and what were the grows? You notice we didn't say pros and cons. Okay, because every area is a potential area for growth. It doesn't necessarily mean wrong. Identify the main areas of ministry on which to focus. All of your areas can be improved, but you can't improve at the same time, like I said. Uh, Consider areas like evangelism, discipleship, hospitality, youth and teen ministry, and preaching. Most of those areas have a high importance in the church. Not to say the others don't, but when you start polling people and find out how long does it, how many times does a person come to your church before they join, that's an indicator. We call them key performance KPIs, key performance indicators. You know. People who talk about they come to the church a year before they join, come on, what's up with that? I don't understand that. You know, what you doing? <laughs> uh, especially if you're coming on a regular basis, and if you're not coming on a regular basis, move on. You know, go someplace else. I'm just saying, you know, why are you wasting your time and the energies of the people in the church who are working on, you know, your discipleship and things of that nature? If you ain't going to join, no way. Okay. All right. This is me. Question for you mm -hmm. uh, about the survey. Is there a survey template that you have in mind that could be useful? Yes, ma'am, I do. Uh, I didn't put it in here, but I can work with the churches one on one or their ministry leads or whomever to give them, you know, samples of surveys. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, it says consider improving areas of how you engage with visitors, keeping people connecting and interfacing with the community. These are very important. How you engage with visitors is all talking about what I just said, about if a person keeps visiting and not joining, something's, something's going on. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, keeping people connected, that fellowship we talked about, that culture of fellowship, keeping people connected is very important. Because if I come and I don't feel like I've connected with anybody or any group, I'm probably going to stop coming. And Contrary to popular belief, most people that leave ain't looking for another church. They're just looking to go home, okay, especially since COVID, okay? 
Bedside Baptist is real popular these days. I utilized it myself for a while to the Holy Spirit. Said, you better get up out of this house. Okay? Because God, I don't know about y'all, but God don't play with me. No. He don't play with me. All right. Uh, develop a plan to improve overall church ministry and area-specific ministry. First, before you engage in setting up a plan, pray. You need a God-led plan. Didn't I say he's the best strategic planner? Talk to him. Leadership needs to talk to him. Everybody involved in the process needs to talk to him. Start simple. Identify key areas of ministry in which you want to focus. Then identify key players. Pull together two to five people who you believe to be most influential. Well, you use that in making the shift because you don't need those influencers, okay? Influencers serve a very vital role in the church, okay? Especially if they're on the side of God, okay? And if they're not, no, Satan going to take them with me because they ain't do nothing but damage, okay? But positive influencers who are in alignment with your culture and knowing what your vision, your goals, and objectives are, they can be very powerful because they can motivate people to do things to follow the plan. Now, examples of ministries to, to improve, that's why I said I was gonna say about what you wanna start with. I call it, start with the low-hanging fruit, stuff that's easy, you know? So it says, uh, hospitality, uh, we call it first impressions, guest services, worship, music, children's ministry. I named a lot of things here, but when you're looking at these areas, try to determine what's the easiest one for us to improve. Get some quick wins. People like to see stuff when, you know, oh, that changed, and that changed quickly. Okay, quick wins. Things that take a long time are a little bit more strategic. They have a lot more tactical stuff in them that takes time. So you may, you know, have to think about that. All right, another exercise here. Any questions, comments before we move to the next exercise? So you might discuss this, but um, how would I, I a question, but, okay. um, my, my phone was, my watch was talking, I'm sorry. How much value do you put on communicating the, you said debrief with the leadership mm-hmm. team, mm-hmm. going back to culture mm-hmm. and the influence of others outside of that mm-hmm. um, leadership team? How important is the communication of the surveys, of the results of the KPI? Mm-hmm. Good question. So if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying once you get these results, how important is it for you to communicate those results to those it is very important. It does you no good if it's only going to be in the mind of one or two people. Okay, so when we do surveys here, uh, it goes out. You know, it depends on what we're trying to change. Okay, if it's something that's church wide, that's different. We'll give it to everybody. But if it's something that we're only dealing with the staff, they get it. Oh, that's mine. Okay, so where does this come from? Okay. All right. You can see I only have a one-track mind. Yeah. But does that answer your question? Okay, good. All right. This is the next exercise. It says, um, this is on page six, if you got a two-slide page. Based on what you just learned from what I discussed, what would you do in developing a culture of improvement in your church? Okay. Take about five minutes in your groups of threes, and then we're going to do the, the I'm going to solicit your ideas. Um, groups of threes. Let's talk about that. Based on what you just learned, discuss what you would do to develop a culture of improvement in your life. All right.
And there's water and snacks for us. Every other year, I go to that store and say, I have some questions like, Everything's going good. Okay. And you, when you finish, you know how to just stop. Stop. Mm -hmm. My shortcomings, I've noticed where you guys are You'll see if we and I just start doing the positive. And if I'm not doing it, I need to know surveys mm -hmm. and we've all done them in, in our various ministries um, and maybe we don't get the responses that we mm -hmm. we want so maybe creating uh, a different survey or better maybe mm -hmm. better survey with different questions maybe getting better responses mm -hmm. and also guarding against the responses that we receive um, that we may be resistant to so that uh, like Pastor mentioned, I'm doing all I can do, but I don't want to do this and not here mm -hmm. uh, because there may be some good feedback. Mm -hmm. God, this place needs people to give you some ideas, yeah. but sometimes we take it as an attack. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the surveys, being open to the feedback, right, um, and also implementing something. People don't want to give recommendations and don't see, and don't see it because yeah. they say, say, well, why yeah. am I answering the survey? Y'all don't right. do anything with anybody. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's the reason why you should choose the easy wins 
Let that be our so low hanging fruit. Let's yeah. go for the easy wins. Let's go for the ones that they can possibly see in the next three months. Mm -hmm. Something like that. All right, let's get a comment from this side. Same question. Okay, we kind of came up with the questionnaire, same thing like mm -hmm, surveys, mm -hmm. do a questionnaire within the ministry and also maybe some other ministries to give us feedback as mm -hmm. to what they can say see in our ministry that we can um, improve on and, um, and so we'll, you know, so we can come up with a solution as well mm -hmm. to, um, you know, to whatever the problem is. Because one of the ministries that, and be specific with the ministry, one of the ministries that I was just thinking of is hospitality, mm -hmm. okay, within our church. And I was looking at how do we improve with some of the hospitality, the greeters, the ushers, because they are the first contact when you have ministries that are not smiling, mm -hmm, welcoming, mm -hmm, communicating. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's, you know, that's one of the things that we're targeting to try to improve mm -hmm. on so that we can make our visitors feel welcome. Right. You so know? they can go ahead and join. So they can, it, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And I want to thank you. I'm sorry, I cut across you. Yeah, that was, no, I just okay. want to say something for clarification. I'm not about numbers. I'm about growth. growth yeah. Okay. Uh, when I hear, because I wanted to, you know, qualify that when I talk about joining, if you if if you're not growing within the church, we're still not we're not expanding. We're not we're not growing. It's not about a numbers game. It's about individual growth because yeah. if an individual grows, they will bring right. people in because right. like yeah. that lady 80 years old brought in 30 people. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So yeah. it will that will happen. That's yeah. a that's what I call uh you know, that's an effect of growth in the individuals in the church. So it's not about just opening the church doors saying we we got ten of them in here today. If ten come in and only two of them grow, do the math. You already know. Yes, ma'am. Can you go back to um, where you talked about uh, not trying to achieve excellence mm -hmm. because of the subjectivity of it? Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm challenged a little bit by that okay. um, because I'm thinking about the Apostle Paul when he was talking to the church at Corinth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They were in trouble. They right. were divided. There were quarrels. There's a number of things happening in the church. Mm -hmm. like division. The very thing you're saying, a plan will help unify. Right. right. And he tells them that we ought to be, or they ought to be in pursuit of a quote more excellent way. More excellent way. So and, I'm yeah. just I, mm -hmm. when when you when you asked about improvement, I the thought that came to and the experience I have says. Mm -hmm. But if we don't pursue mm -hmm. the very best of gifts, mm -hmm. and the very best way that God has provided for it, for us and mm -hmm. for the church and for its mission and mm -hmm. for its vision mm -hmm. and all of that, right. then what are we striving for? Right. Good so point. Can you help? Yes. Let me try. Uh, in that uh, passage of scripture, Paul was alluding to love being the more excellent way. So love was what he was trying to get them to understand that even if they could speak in tongues and they could do this and all of that, the more excellent way is to love, demonstrate that love towards one another. So he was talking about how love demonstrates being having a more excellent way. Excellence, when it applies to you just using people's perception of what they think is excellence, is not what we want to do. All right. Can you go a little further for me? Sure. So, because, what? Oh. Because in that passage, mm -hmm. he specifies love. Right. But 
then there's also demonstration mm -hmm. in other passages of the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, right. where leaders, and, and they were right. leaders, and his brother gave the example of Daniel, mm -hmm. right? Um, pursue what God had assigned them right. to in excellence. So right. my struggle mm -hmm. is what? how do we talk about improvement mm -hmm. and define it such that we are asking people to give their very excellent best right. and and level the field mm -hmm. by defining it so that we can remove the subject to right, right. That That's kind of... Right, I got you. So again, what, I, what I'm going to say on that is that the point being made in this example is that we're always open to improvement. The problem with setting excellence as the goal is people say, we got there. We don't need to do anything else. That's it. That's, that's what it is right there. We don't want that mindset because if we keep that mindset, especially in the context of the church, we won't grow beyond that point. That's what I mean. Mm -hmm. If I could say, um, if I could change your context just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, to John 15, mm -hmm. we actually find out that we have a vine dresser. Mm -hmm. We are abiding in the vine. Mm -hmm. The vine dresser continues to actually prune. Mm -hmm. What I found, and this is in my too many years of pastoring when I had hair mm -hmm. when I started, <laughs> um, is in that pruning process, mm -hmm. a lot of times when we seek and we think that we found excellence, mm -hmm then we actually establish this mark and we say we're here uh -huh. we're actually not here right. before covid many of us mm -hmm. thought that we were excellent mm -hmm. all of a sudden mm -hmm. god actually does something that's right that's right why is it that you're all in these walls and not out there where i called you right to be? right and so now there is a shift mm -hmm. and the shift is because of the pruning so what I'm actually learning mm -hmm. is it's not so much as the looking for the mark of excellence, mm -hmm. but it's actually bearing more fruit. Yeah. What does it take for us to actually bear, bear more, more fruit, fruit. to not actually start being satisfied with mm -hmm. the fruit that is there? Because then I start to plateau. That's right. And I'm not allowing. Yeah, and I, and that's that's really so what it's about. And it's only preventing if, plateau. If, it's only if we say excellence is a mark. Right. It doesn't have to be a mark. Right. So, right. I mean, we, that's a whole other thing. Oh, that's it. Yeah. That's yeah. A whole yeah. Other yeah. Yeah. The scripture that came to me, mm -hmm. and it's probably one of my leading scriptures, mm -hmm. the Bible said Daniel had an excellent spirit, mm -hmm. and his work ethic or his, or his fruit, mm -hmm. it was 10 times greater than his peer. Right. So, what well, we came up with in our group, if we can kind of just maybe contribute to the bigger conversation, <laughs> is that uh, when it comes to church improvement, mm -hmm. Um, it should start with understanding the vision, mm -hmm. and um, as she was saying earlier, so if you're going to be a greeter and you've been trained in excellence at this stage, because mm -hmm. like you said, it can be subjective. As we continue to meet and we critique and we prune ourselves, mm -hmm. then the, then it may alter, it may go higher, but it's, it should start with at this very level. Right. We're going to do the best that we can. Right. To you know, to honor our vision mm -hmm. and our visionary, and like she said, we're going to be kind. We're going to be on time. We're going to be respectful. Because mm -hmm. I think when there's no standard, right, right, mm -hmm. and there's no vision, mm -hmm. the Bible says you, you perish. Right. And, and, and then one big thing about being in church, mm -hmm. the Bible says, "Obey them that have rule over you, mm -hmm. and they're the watch of your soul." Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, the success of the church is contingent mm -hmm. on the clear vision, right. 
-hmm. And then the people cooperating with that vision, mm -hmm. and then if they're not cooperating, mm -hmm. the leaders have to hold those people accountable. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so many times in church, I found the most influential parts of leadership mm -hmm. have a lot to do with who's leading. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And if they're leading well, mm -hmm. They tend to bear much fruit. Right. And you see that why that why that, that department is doing well. Who, mm -hmm. Who's over there? Mm -hmm. And then the people who don't lead as well tend not to bear as much fruit. Right. right. And then you end up losing on the back end. So that all <laughs> all these comments lead us to developing the strategic plan because without goals, yeah. you can't determine what it is you need to reach. Okay? Amen. So all of this plays into it's a great segue into this next part. So now we're on developing the strategic plan and the objectives out of this is we're going to learn, uh, we're going to discuss the purpose of a strategic plan for the church. Remember I started off saying, this isn't just for you corporations and businesses. Uh, we're going to learn the elements of the plan and we're going to discuss how to integrate the plan to your staff and ministries. Now we're not going to do that exercise at the bottom for lack of time. So let's get right into the strategic Which plan. Slide are you on? Mm, I'm on slide number 13. Okay. No, it's not thirteen. Um, it's page seven. What's your page? Oh, they got the little tiny print. Here. Yeah. 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 Oh, they got right. the long one. They didn't print this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
But guess what? Everybody ain't following the same script. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you an example. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody got, you know, copies of how, how equipped was going to go. I ain't talking about y'all. I'm talking about the staff, the people that's working. We got so many different interpretations of what was read. <laughs> we done found out, you know, no, that's that's not what we were saying there. So it doesn't, you know, our perception is we put everything out in a way that everybody should have understood. But everybody feeds their own stuff into their understanding. That's called perception. And you have to pay some attention to uh, perception so that you can course correct it if it doesn't line up with what you really mean, okay? So, um, what do you need to do to get there? Your goals and objectives. Okay. I'm going to skip that exercise for right now because I want to get through strategic planning before we run out of time. Your strategic foundation, this is what your plan has got to have in it. It's got to have your mission, which is a brief statement that describes what you do. Mission statements are what you do. Your vision is a short statement that explains what you want to become. Vision. Write the vision, make it plain. There's something that you want to see happen. Vision is usually future state. This is what you want to get to. But your mission is what is it that you do? Why do you exist as a church? What purpose are you serving in your community? What is it that you do? Your core values, that's a series of statements that explain the principles that guide you. This is where you get, you know, we believe this, we do this, we operate this way, that way. Those are your core values. So everything in this first part of the uh, strategic foundation aligns with the culture, okay? It aligns with the culture. That's why you gotta know what the culture is because before you can start writing mission statements and vision statements, you gotta know what, you know, how do people already think we're operating in this church? Now, getting down to the bottom, your, strate your strategic plan, your objectives, your desired end goal that gives purpose to your ministries, programs, and, and activities. So these are objectives. This is what we want to achieve. Your goals. These goals need to be something we call SMART. It's an acronym. For your goals need to be specific. Don't have these lofty goals that, you know, so nebulous. Don't nobody know what you're talking about. It can mean anything. Okay? And they need to be measurable. A goal needs to be measurable where you can say how much of this has been accomplished. Okay, because you're going to need to look at this stuff in some intervals over the next, you know, year or so, depending on your strategic plan. I'm sorry, strategic plans are usually three to five years. Okay, a strategic plan is different from your tactical everyday plan. The tactical plan is this is what we do on a daily basis, this is what we do this month, you know. However, all of that feeds into that three to five year plan, okay? So it needs to be measurable, achievable. Don't have plans that you're gonna never be able to reach. If you're a church right now operating off of a, a $500,000 budget a year, and you think that you can grow your church, uh, increase your church membership by a thousand by next year, that's not achievable. You're not, your money's not coming in to support that. Churches, and you all know this, especially pastors, you can't depend on that money. You cannot depend on it. So you don't know from year to year what's going to happen to the money. COVID taught us that. Because when people went home, guess what else went with them? That money went with them. And nothing changed about the church. The same things were still needed in the church. Okay, you might not have had to turn on the lights as much or flush the toilets, but the church couldn't close its doors because they got mortgage. 
You know, they got stuff they got to support in the church. Members, some members, took the idea, we ain't going in there, so you know, what we need to pay for? What we what we give the money for? First of all, we know we're giving it unto the Lord, but let's be real, everybody don't look at it that way. They think they put it in your pocket, your pocket, your pocket, your pocket. That's what they think, okay? All right, so we ain't all there together as a church on the purpose of tithing and offering. We ain't all there. That's part of the culture. We know our culture is like that. What you can do to improve that aspect of the culture is up to you. But you got to accept the fact that that is something that is there. So don't set goals that you can't achieve. Set realistic goals. It's the same as the achievable goals. Make them realistic. Things that people can relate to and time bound. We're going to start working on this improvement here and it's going to finish on this date. Don't have any no, you know, nebulous stuff like in a couple of months, you know, a couple of years. Yeah, this ought to work out in a couple of years. A couple of years to me means something different than it means to you. Even though we know a couple means two, it depends on when I start counting. Okay? So you gotta be, you got to be aware of those kinds of things. So your goals have to be very, very defined. Let's go on. Implementing your strategic plan. Okay, it says assess your goals and objectives. Monitor the progress of implementation against the plan. The plan, even though it's a three to five year plan, it's dynamic, it's not static. What I mean by that, it can change. Don't be afraid to go back and revisit the plan and say, we need to make some adjustments. Again, COVID taught us that. You know, we couldn't operate off that same plan because the budget wasn't there, the people weren't there. Uh, the, the law said you couldn't open your church doors. You all need to go have church in your house somewhere. So the plan needed to change. Okay. So it needs to be a dynamic plan, meaning that it can it can change. Okay. Monitor implementation when you start those goals and objectives in your plan uh, against the actual plan. If you said you were going to start something January first, 2024, and it is now January the 18th, and we ain't started yet. Then we gotta look at that plan and say, how come, how come we ain't started? What's going on? You know? And it just might mean a simple tweak. Oh, so-and-so, you know, was sick and they've been out for two or three weeks and they were the key person on this. That's why it hasn't started. You gotta look for those areas where you might have some weaknesses that you need to find. We need a backup. You know, one person, I call it a single point of failure, don't have single points of failure, meaning that you have everything ending with one person okay that's messed up because this is flesh all kind of things happen to it you know sometimes we we take ourselves out of the game by getting involved in something else that don't line up with the plan okay flesh did that okay it's also flesh from a physical perspective that it can break down you know get sick and may even die you know Okay, so you gotta have you gotta have backup plans for how these things are gonna be done. All right. I will take time here to say, look at exercise five. Based on what we've discussed or learned in this module, discuss how you will play a role in developing a strategic plan for your church. Same setup, groups of your threes. Let's talk about that for about five minutes. Oh, 
before I know it, it's gone. The lady Sonya told me to me. She went and got told me. Um, so it's a little bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's good for how do I yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm just yeah. yeah. um, so yeah. 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 y
Continuous So this works also in the sense of processes in the church. 
you have to go to the root cause in order to correct the problem. Problems give off symptoms, but until you identify the root cause, all you're doing is turning this, and then this right here messes up. Oh, let me turn that. Yeah. Oh, that's messed up. Let me turn. And still not getting the solution. So to identify potential problems, you have to know, number one, what is the perceived gap? The gap is what should be happening versus what is happening, okay? I think this is more apparent on a Sunday morning service than anything else. You know, if pastors are being honest or the you know people who are leading the service are being honest, you got a plan for how the service ought to go. But Sister Jones wanted to testify for like 15 minutes. Okay? Threw everything off, okay? Ain't nobody gonna sit her down because she's 75. And she's been a member of this church for 35 years. And that's their pew right there. Okay? All right. All right. So, you know, you, you had a plan of how things were supposed to go that service. But something changed it. So the gap is what was planned versus what really happened, okay? Now, then you're gonna to go to, how did you know there was something going on? Symptoms, when did it occur? Where did it occur? Who did it? How serious is the problem? Because, let's use Sister Jones with the long testimony, it might not be that serious. It might not throw everything off. It might have caused people to get out of church just a little bit later, but maybe her testimony was beneficial. So it's not always how you know a big situation you have to determine how serious is the problem before you decide to fix it, okay? Because what we usually do right out of the stall, no more testimonies, right. <laughs> you know? That's what we do, no more testimonies. And people going like, what? I mean, if that's what y'all do in your Sunday service, some people don't even do it, okay? But if you start off by just cutting it off, then you probably cut off something that was very vital to someone else's growth or their experience, okay? So you gotta find out how serious is this? Is this really hurting us? Then what are the possible causes? Okay, why does this happen? Do we, oh, temperature? No, it's not. <laughs> is it? I thought it was 1215. Okay, so that's the reason, that, wait a minute, don't y'all get up at one time? That's the reason you got the handouts. Those appendices are the handouts that talk about process improvement. And you have appendix A talks about the strategic plan. So it gives you a sample strategic plan, okay? Feel free to use that. I, I gave uh, credit to the church that submitted that, so I didn't I didn't do any copywriting. <laughs> okay. And you use Appendix B, talks about all these two. Again, if you feel like you're in your church and you need help with it, you have my contact information, feel free to call me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really thought it was a 12.